Welcome everybody. Time for another episode of Alive, brought to you by the Asher Longevity Institute, committed to the science-based and easy to implement lifestyle changes you need in order to live a much longer and much healthier life. Today's show is made possible through the generous support of Peoples Unlimited, a premier longevity company in Phoenix, Arizona. Peoples Unlimited is a co-sponsor of the Coalition for Radical Life Extension's annual RADFest. Learn more about the festival and register for the October 2 through 4 live stream program of longevity experts at rlecoalition.com. That's rlecoalition.com. I'm Dave Potts in the Asher Longevity Institute studio in Washington, D.C., together with the host of Alive, John Asher, CEO and co-founder of the Asher Longevity Institute. The title of the show is New and Emerging Protocols and Therapies to Increase Your Lifespan. This is the 10th in a set of 10 podcasts by John Asher. In the first podcast, John described the fundamental reasons we die and the many contributing causes. He also gave an overview of the nine steps to achieve an unlimited life. In this podcast, John describes the importance of step nine, utilizing the new and emerging protocols and therapies that can greatly extend life. Hello, John. Hello, Dave. Thank you for the introduction. As you may remember, the listeners from my first podcast, step nine is actually the most important step. Now, it's true that the first five or six of the podcast, the first five or six of the steps, were all about the blocking and tackling of health and longevity. You get enough sleep. Uh, eat a balanced diet, further eat a diet uh, optimized for a healthy gut microbiome, take the appropriate supplements, and then take a look at all of your important biomarkers, like blood pressure as an example, and keep them in the optimum range. So there's no question, unless we've got those basics right, we're not going to live a very long life, any longer than we kind of normally would on average. So we've got to have the blocking and tackling of longevity done up front. And in order to get to these other steps, especially step nine, and that is we want to live long enough so that when these new and emerging protocols and therapies that can really greatly extend life come out, we're still alive and we can use them to live even a lot longer. And if you remember our discussion on the podcast about the various tests that, that go on, there are tests that try out new things. First, they're tried out on fruit flies. Then they're tried out on typically worms, then on mice, and then on dogs. That's just a typical sequence. And the reason they're tried out in that sequence is they have a longer and longer life. So a fruit fly only lasts a couple of days. So when you try out something new on it, you can see right away whether it's gonna work or not. So if that works, then you try it on worms who live a little bit longer, see if that works. And all four of these organisms have genomes similar to humans. That's why they're, they're chosen. And then, of course, that looks good. Then try it out on mice. And they don't live too long, maybe 18 months. And then if that works, try it out on dogs. And then if that works, then consider trying it out on small groups of humans and then maybe larger groups of humans. And so one of the fundamental things we want to do in step nine is don't wait. Don't wait until there's some clinical trial because there probably never will be. Uh, don't wait until there's a big trial of humans and because you have to make that trial go over many, many years to see the effect on longevity. 
So we really need, if we're going to live a long time, to be an early adopter of some of these new techniques. And there's a real interesting curve called the fusion of innovation theory. And that is when anything new comes out, 2.5% are innovators, 13% are early adopters, 34% are early majority, then the late majority, and then the laggards. So we don't want to be a laggard. We'll be dead by the time we're a laggard, by the time we try something new. So we have to really consider trying to measure all the risks and the rewards when something new comes out, whether we're going to be an early adopter or not. So to give you a quick example, I mentioned in step seven, taking rapamycin, and rapamycin has been shown in Canadian studies to help dogs live 25% longer. So the real question is, do you want to take rapamycin based on that amount of um, evidence? In other words, proven in fruit flies, worms, mice, and dogs. Well, if you're an early adopter, you're going to take rapamycin. That's me. I'm taking it. If you're a late majority or laggard, you'll never take rapamycin, actually. So that's the whole thing about step nine. You got to stay abreast of all the new stuff. And then if it looks pretty good, spin through those four organisms that are similar to the human organism, then think about being an early adopter. So there are four of them that are really emerging now and pretty much in widespread use. One is bioelectronic medicine, another cancer immunotherapy, the third using peptides to lengthen telomeres of sign of aging, and then the fourth transfusion of young blood plasma. Blood plasma is the blood without the white or red blood cells in it from young people to older people. So let's take a quick look at these four. So first is bioelectric medicine, and that is essentially putting electrical pulses to treat some chronic diseases. And so you position these electrodes on your body with tape so it stays in place. And so you can either dial down unwanted nerve stimulation or stimulate nerve stimulation that you want. And so you can actually regulate the body's immune and metabolic responses. And it's currently used to treat such conditions as migraines, depression, sinus pain, and of course, that old bugaboo chronic inflammation. Also being tested recently for lowering blood pressure, helping arthritis, helping with diabetes and dementia. And one of the devices called the TENS device, T-E-N-S, is one of the ones currently available commercially. And both my wife and her mother have one. And anytime my wife has this pain and it goes across the back of her shoulders, this bioelectric medicine solves it in five minutes. Next is immunotherapy. It's been in use now for quite some time. What it's all about is enlisting our own immune system to turn around and fight the cancer. And there's been really great techniques in some cancers, for example, a melanoma. So immunotherapy is really great against melanoma whereas previous attempts with radiation and chemotherapy just really didn't work very well. There are other current applications. For example, for bladder cancer, immunotherapy works much better than chemotherapy. Then there's also some other cancers where chemotherapy is a better choice than immunotherapy. So immunotherapy now is pretty much mainstream, but we have to be careful where we use it. Use it where it, it does better than chemotherapy. And then, of course, you use chemotherapy when it's better than the immunotherapy. The next is taking peptides, which are long proteins, complicated proteins, to help us live longer by lengthening the telomeres 
And they're the caps on the end of all of our chromosomes that kind of shorten like a shoelace, which would fray, the end of a shoelace would fray if you lost that cap. So that's a way to think about a telomere. And there's multiple studies that show if your telomeres are shortening faster, then you have a much higher risk of death. That is the people with the shortest or have a 20% higher risk of death. And numerous studies on humans, especially in Russia, show that taking these peptides can really lengthen telomeres and extend life. And just to mention this one-year Russian study, 12-year study, started in 2003, it actually provided an increase in human lifespan of 12 years. You might think, well, who can trust the Russians? And, and maybe not, but this is a 12-year study, peer-reviewed, so worth considering. And then there's been a trial in the U.S. called the Telomeres Activation Protocol, the, the TAP trial, and a preliminary result suggests a 16-year increase in longevity with no negative side effects from using these, these peptides. And there's actually a FDA-approved clinical trial starting this year. So there again, are you, are you going to wait till that clinical trial is over three years from now before trying these peptides? Or try them now? I'm trying them. So we're probably at a good break time, Dave. Oh, uh, and let's do a quick commercial break right now. The Asher Longevity Institute developed a nine-step program to guide you to a much longer and much healthier life. Our mission is to make this system easy to understand, simple to execute, and sustainable for the rest of your life. Go to asherlongevity.com today and sign up for the information and access you need to live the longevity lifestyle. That's asherlongevity.com to help you feel better now and achieve the longevity you desire. John, let's go back to this, these interesting studies. Besides peptides, what else, what else have you learned? Well, there is a young blood plasma study where mice have been hooked up together and you transfer the, the blood from the young mouse to the old mouse and vice versa, of course. And the young mouse gets older and the older mouse gets younger. It's like, wow. And so that's under great study now in the U.S. And right now the FDA has put a halt to it. It seems to be political. That's one that's going to be emerging here pretty soon. There's also a number of other studies and technologies being evaluated that aren't quite in widespread use like immunotherapy, the peptides. So these are the ones we should be watching very carefully to see when it's time for us to consider trying them. Now, many of you may have heard of CRISPR proteins. CRISPR proteins are like a, a wild west, a warning sign inside of your body that tells bacteria, this is a, a new virus. And so if it's a old virus that's been around like last year's flu virus, then the most wanted sign comes up, the bacteria know exactly how to kill it and they kill it immediately. The trouble with COVID-19 is it's a novel virus, meaning a new virus. So then the CRISPR proteins are not so good against this. What actually happens is using CRISPR technology, you can actually go in with think of a pair of scissors going in and causing breaks in the DNA strands at very precise locations. And then the CRISPR technology can insert new DNA at any location and actually edit out of our cells cancers for which there is no cure today. And it's not like this is way out. CRISPR technology has been using, it'll help apples not ever turn brown when they're cut. 
There's bruise-resistant potatoes now in supermarkets that have the CRISPR technology in use. A certain strain of papayas have been added to it to avoid the rainbow virus. Wheat now with higher fiber and lower gluten content have been using CRISPR technologies. And the FDA just issued an emergency order to evaluate CRISPR technology for use in new saliva testing for COVID-19. So CRISPR technology on the way to really help us all in a lot of areas. Now, another technology of great interest is, you may remember from the last podcast, and actually the first and last, is that the thymus gland that controls our immune system right in the middle of our chest actually is dead and just shriveled up by age 70. And again, explains why flu, pneumonia, and COVID-19 are so dangerous for, for elderly people. And there's been a recent small trial in humans that has demonstrated how to use a combination of DHEA, a supplement, metformin, a drug, and a certain human growth hormone. Those used together actually will help regenerate the thymus gland. And this was a four-year trial in humans that ended in 2019. And all of their ages were reversed by two and a half years. And there's a second trial just, again, starting this year. So luckily for me, I'm taking all, of the, all three of those um, already for, for different reasons. Another one is um, a new um, trial in just starting in fruit flies. And it's all about, again, about um, longevity. And this is a combination of lithium, a supplement, rapamycin, a prescription drug, the one that causes dogs and can to live 25% um, longer and metformin. And metformin is that diabetes drug that also has a longevity benefit. What is shown so far is that it helps increase fruit flies uh, to live 48% longer. And so then the next study is going to be done on worms and then mice. This is another one where I'm taking all three of those already. So I'm getting the benefit of that trial, whatever it's going to be, but just because I'm taking them for other, other reasons. And then finally, there is a NIH study that just like the human genome study was funded by NIH, and now it gives us this great insight into what diseases we're most susceptible to. Then there's a new one funded by the FDA with 500 investigators in 100 institutions involved in creating the research. And the acronym for it is BRAIN, Brain Research to Advance Innovative Neurotechnologies. And so the whole purpose of this study is to get great insight into these brain-related diseases many of us are familiar with, autism, depression, epilepsy, Parkinson's disease, schizophrenia, stroke, some of the traumatic brain injuries like the NFL football players, and Alzheimer's. So that's essentially the end of, of step nine. And one of the things I just want to end with is one of the reasons this longevity research is going so fast is that there are six exponential growth areas that are feeding into longevity. So in other words, six areas where the growth is exponential. And as I read these out to you, you'll recognize them. Big data, artificial intelligence, machine learning, biotechnology, genetics, and nanotechnology. Each one of those six is growing exponentially. And so when you think about six exponential growing technologies all feeding into longevity research. This is a mega revolutionary technology tidal wave supporting longevity research 
and all the more reason to stay abreast of what's happening because it's changing so fast and the whole research and the whole institutions in the whole world are learning so much. We can't just sit around and wait. We gotta stay abreast of this. And that's essentially why step nine, in our opinion, is the most important step. That's great, John. As you were wrapping this up, I was just struck by a thought. Most of us consider life to be a journey with a start and an end point. But what I believe you're trying to do with the Asher Longevity Institute is to turn that more into a journey, a journey of discovery, where by learning more, we may be able to adjust that end point. Is that correct? That's totally correct. You know, for, for um, this is such a controversial area, and there's all kinds of ethics and religion that can play into this. We typically kind of tone down what we say, and that is we've developed the nine steps towards an unlimited life. What we really believe is it's nine steps to an unlimited life. <laughs> we really think it's possible. Well, I think all of us wish you and the Asher Longevity Institute success in that. Thank you. <laughs> so, so thank you. And thank you, everybody, for listening. If you'd like to have a checklist of simple actions to take based on today's podcast, go to asherlongevity.com. And that's all the time we have for today. From now until we meet again, John Asher reminds you that looking after your health today gives you better hope for tomorrow. And that's going to wrap it up for another edition of Alive right here on the Funnel Radio Network for listeners like you. you.